The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. I'm for Gene Shepard. Now it's time for The Perfect Comeback, another actual story about a person who knew just what to say and when to say it in order to squelch some pest or heckler. And today's Perfect Comeback is from Louise Morrell of Dayton, Ohio, who writes, The other day, when I was standing on a corner waiting for a bus, a wolfish-looking young man wearing a little black mustache, dark glasses, and a beret pulled up alongside of me and gave me a low, suggestive whistle. Ignoring him completely, I became deeply engrossed in my evening newspaper. Apparently not choosing to recognize my desire to be left alone, this self-styled Lothario leaned out of his sports car window and whispered, Oh, come on, baby, how about a little lift? Well, avoiding his remarks, I turned my back on him and I feigned interest in the contents of a nearby store window. Still, the eager young Don Juan persisted. Look, honey, he says, hop in. You and me can make some beautiful music together. Well, with that last remark, I had had enough. Spotting the ideal opportunity to get rid of this pest once and for all, I turned sharply, looked him straight in the eye, and then raising myself to my full height, I spoke softly but firmly as I said, Aw, shut up, you dumb jerk face. <laughs> Our thanks to Louise Morrell of Dayton, Ohio, for that excellent, perfect comeback. Just another example of knowing what to say and when to say it. Bubbles, pretty bubbles in the air. They fly so high, nearly reach the sky. Then, like my dreams, they fade and die. <laughs> 
Vacation time out there, fans of goofing off. It's a vacation time out there, and every first of the month, somebody sends me in some far off uh, publicity department somewhere a calendar for big deals that are happening during the month. Perhaps you don't know that almost every month of the year, especially during the summer months, there are festivals of one kind or another that are celebrated throughout these United States. To celebrate and to perpetuate and commemorate one great American tradition or another. Would you please bring my whoopee music on there, Doctor? Please. That's very good. And so tonight, WOR, as part of its vast all-seeing public service program, salutes the whoopee instinct in mankind. One of the uncelebrated of the passions that all of us share. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> my George, don't we, though? <laughs> And uh, sadly enough, it's one of the few instincts that is hardly celebrated in American literature. We have others that are man's predatory instinct, man's instinct for status. Arthur Miller, Tennessee Williams, they deal with these vast flowing glandular activities. But tonight, we here at WOR, as part of our <laughs> public service programming, celebrate one of the lesser known but certainly one of the more active uh, passions of man, the whoopee instinct. Please bring it up there. celebrating the tiger in each one of us. And uh, would you please reset that? We may have to uh, do what we call a reprisal before we leave the air here tonight. Uh, speaking of the uh, whoopee <laughs> instinct, and uh, you know, it's funny, immediately, as soon as you mention the word, the whoopee instinct, everybody begins to bridle large numbers of guys holler, go ship, go wow, I'll tell them, go wow, Then there's another group that says, dear sir, once again, I have been insulted in listening to your... Now, I haven't even said what I mean by whoopee. You were saying it, not me. And that there are all kinds of whoopee. 
Aunt, uh, one of the most uh, fascinating of all the types of whoopee is the organized festival. <laughs> now, would you please bring me whoopee record number two, doctor number two, please. There we go. All together now. Bazoo player like I am tonight. That's not exactly suited for the Stars and Stripes Forever. However, tonight, uh, for those of you who are planning various trips of one kind or another, you know, uh, whenever you go to Europe, uh, and uh, I'm sure that uh, at least four of you have been, that uh, whenever you go to Europe, certainly when you read about going to Europe and all the slick 75 cent a month magazines, they always talk about the fantastic program of festivals that are available in almost every country. There's the Chasing of the Bulls at Pamploma. There's the, uh, what the heck was that thing I was in in, in, uh, in Munich where they roast the oxen and they behead the, uh, the Magian and all that stuff. And they walk around with uh, tin hats on sticks. Oh, fantastic celebration, I'll tell you. Very exciting. Well, uh, the, 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 the festival-going drive among Americans is second to no other people's on the face of the earth. I have known people who will travel 4,000 miles to celebrate with the Incans, or what is left of the Incans in some remote village in a Central American highland somewhere. They will celebrate the passing of an ancient god with the beating of tom-toms and the eating of friolis. And uh, come back home and, uh, you know, just talk about it for months and years on end. And they'll show their slides on the wall, you know, with the natives going, and it's, isn't that fantastic? And these guys will put down American festivals because I suspect that most of the festivals that we attend when we go overseas are totally, uh, totally um, opaque to us. We cannot understand them, you know, because we, first of all, we don't understand language. And so we stand there on the side of the of the roadway and the carts are going by and the guys with the false faces are on and the guys throwing the confetti in the crowd and the old man with the shotgun, he keeps shooting it off and the guys with the flutes and the pipes. And we say, isn't that wonderful? What a fantastic, colorful native ceremony. Well, we have our native ceremonies here in America. Please bring me cup number two. We are going to celebrate native festivals throughout uh, the American highlands, the lowlands, and including even the swamps. Uh, bring it on there, and we're going to uh, all set in there. <laughs> all right, bring it on. That's it. All right. What the heck you said? That is a very good record to celebrate festivals. Unbelievable. Here comes the float now. Here comes Miss Kennebunkport Dump. Bring it on. Yes, they are marching tonight. The people's carrying their banners, wearing their funny suits, and they've all been growing a beard for two and a half weeks. They are celebrating Oshkosh Forever Day. Yes, for over two and a half weeks now, they have been making wooden nickels to pass out that will be the only legal tender on Oshkosh Forever Day. Bring it up. Celebrating the original father of Oshkosh, Abner Watanabe Oshkosh, who moved out there in the fall of 1937 and took residence on the shores of the now beautiful Tickenemic River. 
a song we salute you tonight. Oshkosh, wherever you might be. We salute you tonight, Sheboygan, Wisconsin. We salute you in Hackensack Founders Day. We salute you out there in Trenton Forever Week. We salute you. We here at WOR embrace all of you in your fantastic festivals. Gee, that's a great festival music. Please bring it up a little bit. At the, uh, the, the oldest of them, too, but... We are going to give you a tip as to an unbelievable, great festival that I'm sure that hardly any of you... Put, uh, reset that same cut. We will need that same cut. That's a beautiful cut. Speaking of festivals, uh, what is it that they say that New York is a summer waterville? Uh, gee whiz. Have you had a feeling that, that uh, you've been living here in New York all summer and they haven't invited you to the parade? <laughs> summer festival, my George. Well, uh, good morning, Ed. Uh, speaking of festivals, this is uh, your whoopee station here, WOR, AM and FM, New York. And uh, we've got a couple of commercials here that we're going to have to inflict on you. So would you please hit that uh, big dollar sign whoopee button there? Hit it. There it comes. Here it comes. There it comes. Stand up straight now. Take a Miller Highlights in Poppin' Pour Cans. Distinctive Miller Highlight in Poppin' Pour Cans. Just pop and pour Miller High Life, the champagne of bottled beer. No opener needed. And inside every can, enjoy the hearty yet light goodness of Miller High Life. Brewed from a century-old recipe, only in Milwaukee. Miller High Life always gives you that perfect taste in beer every time. Always a bright, clear taste. Unequaled, unquestioned, unchanging. Now you can enjoy refreshing Miller High Life in Pop and Pour cans. Pop and Pour Miller High Life. Always sparkling, flavorful, distinctive. Now in Pop and Pour cans. Just watch for my sterling hand cue. When I do this, that means hit that. All right, now, let's see. we got a couple of other... Hey, listen, uh, that was Miller High Life. I see we have Peugeot on the uh, docket here. And uh, I saw a little note here about Peugeot, and it comes out of an ad, and I'll read it to you. It says, Peugeot, the car that dominates the world's roughest rally. Year after year, Peugeot cars score in the 3,000-mile East African Safari. Do you know anything about that fantastic rally? Unbelievable rally. Do you know that almost all the cars get knocked out because they hit warthogs? Uh, that's the truth. I'm not, I'm not being funny. That is an absolute truth. Uh, that one of the one of the guys. Well, I'll tell you about that rally after we do the spot here. Anyway, this African rally is considered the most punishing ordeal on earth for stock cars. It literally and actually is. And this year, only 16 cars that started, uh, or other 16 cars finished out of 85 cars that started in this thing, and five of the 16 were Peugeots. 
And last year, 21 out of 94 cars finished, and 6 of the 21 were Peugeots. And uh, that's one of the reasons why Peugeot is considered one of the seven best-made cars in the world. It's a beautiful machine. And uh, I drove one of my own private cross-country rally for five years. And uh, for those of you who don't think I can't put them through the ringer, uh, you ought to see the one I got now. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, you'll see the Peugeot at 2 East 46th Street here in Manhattan. A beautiful French car, and it's made to work and last and give you the business here. Let's see, we also have Orensteins. And let's see, I'll say there's never been a better time to go to Orensteins for sterling or silver plate, in case you're in that uh, business. In addition to Orenstein's usual large savings, you'll save another 10% because the federal excise tax has been removed. And Orenstein's carries every leading brand of sterling flatware, including Wallace and so on. And at prices, you wouldn't believe a lot of the names they can't mention on the air. Now, Orenstein's is downtown on Canal Street, 213 Canal. And that's between Baxter and Mulberry Streets. And even if you don't buy anything when you go to Orenstein's, you'll have a gas just going down in that neighborhood. Just wear your tennis shoes. Now, let's see, that's 213 Canal Street between Baxter and Mulberry Street, and it's wild. That's Orenstein's, and there are prices you would not believe. Flatware, silverware, glassware. They've got candles that light up in the dark. They've got the whole scene down there. Okay. Now, uh, uh, you know, getting back to the festival thing, I am a fantastic festival fan. Oh, yeah, there's no question about it. Do you know that I was lost to the world for over four and a half days when I got to Munich and they were having Fasching there, which was a festival. Now, American uh, festivals are a little bit different from the European festivals in spades, uh, <laughs> certain European festivals. But we don't really, we don't really uh, respect the exotic in the American folk festivals because we are Americans. We understand it too well. Now, for example, can you imagine how you could explain to, let's say, a native of um, Indonesia... Uh, August 7th, this year, and I'd love to make it. Boy, I wish I could get out there to, to, to sit in on this festival. August 7th of this year, Sheboygan, Wisconsin. Uh, you got that other one? Okay, bring it over there. All, the other side, I'll, I'll give the cue. Now, wait a minute. August the 7th, it's going to dawn bright and early. It's going to be 8 a.m. in the morning. It's going to be the first crack out of the dawn. The sun comes up like China out of... Out of Pittsburgh, across the bay over there in Sheboygan, the sun is hot, boy. Have you ever been in Sheboygan, Wisconsin in the midsummer? It's a gas. I'll tell you, the, your blood flows like wine through your veins. You stand there on the main street with a temperature 117 degrees, the humidity 97%. It's 8 a.m. in the morning and you're in Sheboygan, August 7th, 1965, ready to celebrate. We welcome you. We, the Chamber of Commerce of Sheboygan, Wisconsin, extend a hand in greeting to all of you. And we are pleased that you have come here to this great metropolis in the heartland, the breadbasket of America, here where the Indians once roamed. the American pioneer fought and died bravely under the blistering summer hot suns all so long ago. Where even today the residents of Sheboygan face each day with fortitude, with courage, with hope singing in their hearts like all true Americans everywhere. Yes, we 
the Chamber of Commerce of Sheboygan, Wisconsin, send the greeting to Americans everywhere across this vast, beautiful, sumptuous land of ours. This God-given land nestled like a jewel in the diadem of the world. We extend a friendly greeting and an invitation to you to come August 7th, 1965. Be here bright and early. In fact, come a few days early. Spend a little time in the drugstore at 4th and Main. Enjoy a little of the real taste of what Americana is like. Spend a few hours at the Happy Hour Pool Room over on Mulberry Street. Talk to George Cranstraw down there. He'll point out points of interest up and down 4th Street, Mulberry Street, and even as far west as River Road. Come to us, August 7th, 1965, and celebrate Bratwurst Day. Yes, we here in Sheboygan, Wisconsin, take great pleasure in celebrating an unsung, unheralded, and yet important item in the vast panoply of foods devoured every day in this great land of ours. Come with us, please enjoy, and fully understand and appreciate the lowly bratwurst. I'd love to go to the bratwurst celebration. Now, how could you? How could you explain that to a native of Indonesia? The Sheboygan, Wisconsin, is celebrating Bratwurst Day. Now, I have not made this up. This is from my list of my list of uh, various uh, calendar events. By the way, taken in case you're interested, from the New York Times. This past month, there's little tips and things you can... Uh, now, uh, if, if you think uh, that uh, that's the only kind of thing you can celebrate, for example, would you please set that back there? We've got several others that uh, uh, you uh, <laughs> don't want to miss. Uh, for example, um, how would you like to go out to... Uh, let's see. Well, let's see. They're having a Loggers Jubilee. Uh, I kind of like this one. They're having a Festival of All Nations. In the Red Lodge, Montana. That's not then. That's not a bad idea. The Women's Softball, Bowling, and Handball Championship will be held in Stratford, Connecticut. That will be the 20th of August. That sounds like fun. I'll never forget the time I dated a lady first baseman. Never forget it. She could go to her right. We also have here, uh, another kind of nice thing, the 24th here of uh, August, they're celebrating Dutch Days in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Now, uh, I will I will have to uh, have to go back a few years now. As a child, I will have to go back and tell you about this time. My, my father was an inveterate pageant attender. I attended more pageants. In fact, I made my debut, for those of you who are interested in my debut, I made my debut in showbiz in an oral hygiene pageant. I played bad breath. <laughs> no, no, I'm sorry. I'm just being rotten here. Actually, what I played was decayed tooth. And that's the truth. They had me all dressed up in a, in a, in a thing where there was a decayed tooth and, and uh, Doran Strickland played a toothbrush. And uh, Jack Robertson played a squeezed tooth of toothpaste. I'll never forget that. And, uh, and and Alex Joshua played mouthwash. And I remember the reviews came out the day after in the Warren G. Harding grade school Daily Bugle came out. There. They had a little thing called the Teapot Dome Scandal. 
out there. And uh, our our uh, our school, by the way, was the result of some of the aftermath. That it was the only school I ever knew anywhere that was built out of balsa wood and silly putty. Uh, that one of the local contractors had a big balsa wood surplus around and built our school out of it. I'll never forget the day it burned down. It burned down in seven and a half milliseconds. And uh, it did, and uh, unfortunately, none of us were in it. It could have rid the world of a lot of scum, of which I know it. Well, now stop it, lady. Don't get mad. It could one fell swoop. Just realize how little you understand of what fate plays in your life. Well, I'm, yes, I remember the day the school burned down. How many of you actually ever had a school burned down that you went to? This is an unsung dream to most kids. And yet they don't want it. You know, there's a certain, there's a certain amount of affection connected with the old dump. And, uh, you know, a certain amount of, gee whiz, wow, you know, and you walk up the steps and somehow you feel warm. Uh, you're there, especially if you're there on time and you got your homework done or something. You know, you feel like you belong. Then there are other days when, oh, wow, you know, you, your guts are sweating and you arrive up to school. You know, it's a, it's a terrible feeling of, of, of incipient disaster. Then any minute now, everything in the room is going to hit the fan. And a lot of stuff that isn't in the room is going to hit the fan. You're going to be right in the way of it. You know, that kind of scene. Well, so you're, it's the love-hate syndrome. It's very, very, very evident among people who go to school. You know, I do a lot of college uh, appearances. I go to colleges everywhere. And the way, the way you can always get a college audience to applauding and wildly cheering and, and really make them, you know, swing. You know, look out at the audience there for about 30 seconds. You're in the great baronial hall, you know. The Agatha L. Watanabe Hall, Memorial Hall. You're there, you see, and there's all those paintings all over of, the, of old uh, presidents and deans and other old fatheads that have driven this place into the ground, you know, over their years of mis <laughs> mismanagement and, uh, and ridiculous ideas and all that. And there they are. They're all standing down there glaring down at you out of this oil painting. Uh, this whole world, and the kids are all sitting down, and you get out there in front of this school scene. Maybe nobody, it doesn't make any difference what famous school it is. You get out there, and you stand there for a second, and then you say, have you ever asked yourself, just seriously, gang, have you ever really seriously asked yourself, how the heck did I wind up here? Instantly, <laughs> wow, their eyes bulge, because you've touched the sore nerve. Indeed, they have asked that many, many times. And, uh, they hit the ceiling, bounce around, and there's usually a few elderly faculty men standing in the back. And you can see their brows suddenly furrow. Another subversive is on the campus. <laughs> well, this is that love-hate thing. Uh, on the one hand, the, you, you'll find people will, will really, they, they love to see the thing that they're involved in be blasted. You want to hear the guys on the 23rd floor talking about the station. And they're the station. That's the funny part of it. They're the radio station. Oh, wow. They're saying, oh, wow. Boy, oh, boy. When are they ever going to get wise? Oh, wow. We want a rotten up and holy smokes. Boy, are they running this place. And the guy you're talking to is an executive vice president in charge of running everything into the ground. You know, so you don't know where the they stops and the me begins and the me stops and the they begins, you know. It's like Bob Dylan always saying, when will they ever learn? When will they ever learn? It's blowing in the wind. What do you mean they ever learn? It should be when will we ever learn, Bob? You're one of us. I'm sorry. <laughs> and of course, the guy that sings the folk song always assumes that he not only learned, he invented it. Peace, beauty, love, all the other jazz. However... This, this is this is uh, beside the point here. If <laughs> you notice, all folk songs are the we they syndrome. When will they ever learn? And there's one about the the atom bomb. When will they know they've killed enough people? When will they ever learn about killing all them good, great, fantastic people? 
What do you mean, they? <laughs> like as if the Japs had nothing to do with World War II. We just came over there and dropped that rotten thing on them. However, uh, that's, that's, you know, that's beside the point. But this, this, uh, this love-hate thing is always with us, you see. And, and, and uh, if you're in a foreign country and you're watching a festival by a foreign bunch of people, you don't have the love-hate thing. Because you're not part of it, you know? You really don't. All you have is the love thing. And so you see the guys playing their little accordions, and drinking the beer, and hitting each other on the head with knockwurst butts, you know, and yelling and hollering. You say, oh, how colorful. You never say, oh, look at that slob. Oh, what a slob. Look at that. There's an obvious bowling team captain. Look at him. Oh, oh hey, what a Rotarian. And you will find that the very hippies who would never be found dead at the Sheboygan, Wisconsin Bratwurst Festival will attend the Brussels Bratwurst Festival. <laughs> and they're all Bratwurst fans out there stuffing Bratwurst in their yap and hollering hooray for the Bratwurst. But as long as they're doing it in Belgian or French or Flemish or whatever it is they're talking, somehow it's colorful, you know. And as long as they're playing a Belgian-type music, somehow that makes the Bratwurst Festival worth going to. But if you stand in Sheboygan, Wisconsin, you see a bunch of druggists and guys that work at the shoe store stuffing themselves with bratwurst and hollering uh, American phrases of whoopee. You know, whoopee, hey, wow, here's a bratwurst. Hey, you slob, wow, whoopee. You know, it's just, oh, wow, look at this. What, what, a, what a world we're living in. But the, you have to be attuned, you see. This is that love-hate problem again. Uh, it, the thing that you're always involved in personally, yourself, the, the, the thing that cradles you, literally, and figuratively, really, is what I mean. The thing that, that, that cradles you and gives you your place in the world, you will always hate for it. And at the same time, you will love it for it. Now, this is one of the problems that we've got going currently in America. Millions of people both love and hate America. They're in it. Uh, they are what they are because of America. They may be famous writers. They may be famous playwrights and one thing and another. But they hate America, too, at the same time because they feel they owe vaguely a debt to it. Anything you owe a debt to, you hate, ultimately. Uh, this goes back to the original hate of parents. You, know, the, you, you secretly know you owe them a debt, even if, uh, even if they didn't raise you. They gave you birth. You know, that's enough. You know, that's a pretty good thing. And uh, so you're bugged by that right away. So the love-hate thing plays part, I think, part of this whole festival appreciation bit. And, you know, one time I'm a kid, you see, my, my old man is a fantastic festival goer. Oh, boy, does he go for pageants. Uh, we, we would, I, in fact, I think I spent most of, my, uh, most of my formative years sitting in Soldier's Field in Chicago, watching guys 87 million miles away down on stands, wearing black suits and badges on their lapel, giving speeches in the PA systems that had feedback. And uh, echoing, you know, the kind of PA system that goes, Oh, I say to you, my fellow, we are gathered here today to celebrate the founding of the Fort Sheridan Association 197 years ago. And we're sitting there, and my ears are ringing, and the heat is banging down. My old man is sitting next to me with his mouth hanging open. He's in the middle of the, of the only showbiz he really dug. Believe me, the only time he ever saw a musical, he saw Mary Martin, and he had a rash for three weeks afterwards. That was not his idea of showbiz. You know, that, oh, I love you, oh, I love you, yes, sir, that's my... That was not my old man's dish of tea. He loved to sit 
in a, in a gigantic crowd with somewhere off in the middle distance, a band moving into... Yeah, that's it. With the gigantic bugles, the trumpets blowing. And a cloud of dust rising over there near the entranceway. And the 7,946-piece Kiwanis Band from Ashtabula, Ohio, is making its debut appearance in Chicago's Soldier Field, celebrating the 100th anniversary of the invention of the gas jet. And the old man is there to cheer. Here they come. And they're out in front. There are 27 drum majorettes all dressed like light bulbs to celebrate the founding of the Consolidated Edison Corporation of Chicago and Environment. Here they come. The old man is sitting on the edge of his seat. You can see his eyes. His pupils dilated. He reaches up. He grabs his straw skimmer. And just at the first crash of the cymbals, pow, out it goes. He sails it out on the field. He is an American celebrating a pageant. Right now, probably there are at least 275 guys listening within a 55-mile radius who are making plans for the Hackensack Uber Aulis Day. Or, uh, <laughs> really, or, or, uh, or the Waterville, Maine Centennial Celebration. They're going to celebrate 100 years of living in a hole in the ground. And uh, <laughs> celebrating it for all they're worth. The smaller the town, you'll find the bigger the celebration, generally. And the more irritated the natives are about living there, the more you will find they are prone to celebrate a celebration, celebrating the fact that they are there and can't get out. Now, uh, we do not have a day in New York called, Thank God I'm a New Yorker Day. But they have such a day in Chicago. Are you aware of that? Oh, they're fully aware that they're in Chicago and they can't split. And they're, they're conscious of the fact that uh, out there over the horizon is New York. You know, that's the big town. And, uh, and it bugs them, you know, that, that the, the big man in any, in any family in Chicago is the man who left and went to New York. <laughs> really, he is, he is the fabled man. Uh, many times I've heard my Aunt Min sit around and say, well, of course, that's your cousin Harold. Actually, he's your second cousin. You know, he's the one who went to New York. Well, that's like he's the one that got the Congressional Medal, you know. He's the one that went and actually made it to Oz. And he's there. And we'd say, gee, what does he do in New York, Aunt Min? Well, I don't know, but he's very important. You know, he's in New York. The impression being that being in New York itself was important. You know, and it wasn't until years later that I learned that old Harold was working as a used car salesman on the night shift on a lot in Queens. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and the, the sad fact of it is that he would work in a used car lot on Stony Island in Chicago. And he was on the day shift in Chicago. But somehow being in New York, working on the late night shift in a used car lot made him a special scene. So they have a tendency to, to, to celebrate fantastic celebrations that just have nothing to do with reality or life or anything else. How many times have you ever been in a little town in Europe, a little bitty, itsy town way uh, off in the, in the hinterland, somewhere up in the, up, way up on the edge of the coast of Italy, a little town of 85 people. And all they do all day long is catch sardines. And on a big day, they catch six of them. And so they're sitting there, but on one day of the year, they have their fantastic medieval pageant where 17,000 Italians all come and just uh, dress up like uh, chess pieces or something. Or they, they have a, an enormous <laughs> uh, festival of some kind of religious significance. So they celebrate the day of, uh, well, the day that the rock fell on the mayor in the year 1115. 
and they call it Rockfall Day. And they've all forgotten all about it. We are celebrating Rockfall Day. And they cheer and hit the drums and march around. And now they all eat the dried sardines and yell and holler and drink vino and fall over. And that is the big celebration. Well, I'm a kid, see, and I, I had always attended major celebration. You know, the kind of thing where they have in the, in the, uh, in the stadium. And one year, my old man, reading in the Chicago Tribune or one of these papers, he had read, just like this, it says August calendar. Uh, New York Times, Sunday, July 25th, 1965. Let's see what it is. And he decided we were going to attend a celebration. Now, anybody reading this paper, reading the Times, you know, he, he could definitely get the idea. Gee, I think I'll go, I think I'll fly out to Sheboygan. I think I'll take in Bratwurst Day. That'll be a real gas. Well, one Sunday, we all got in the car. It was about 3 a.m. It was a major expedition. Now, all of you have undertaken major expeditions in the backseat of a car when you're a kid. And the night before, you know, your mother is in the kitchen making potato salad. And she's in the kitchen boiling hot dogs and making sandwiches. And the old man is out in the garage uh, fixing and fooling around with the car. And he's uh, making sure he takes it down to the garage, you know, and they put water in it. And he has the battery checked. And they fill up the gas. And there's a lot of running around and hollering. And uh, your, your mother's deciding what you're going to wear the next day. And it's a fantastic operation. And they put you to bed early, like at 6 o'clock, so that you'll be ready to get up early in the morning. And suddenly it's 3 o'clock in the morning. It's still dark. And you're standing in the kitchen. And you are preparing to go out. The old man is carrying the stuff out and putting it in the car. And by 3.45, we are on the road. We are heading for an American festival. The festival was taking place in Michigan. Now, we were living in Indiana. Now, Michigan was considered a long way. Uh... Well, this is a long way from my old man's Oldsmobile, which had square wheels. And uh, it was a long way in that Oldsmobile, let me tell you that. We had the only Oldsmobile, it was, it was a six, actually, but it only had two working cylinders. And uh, you'd hear both of them all the way on up to, to wherever we were going in Michigan. And the, all the others, the other four cylinders were still there. They just went along for the ride. You know, you could hear them going up and down, squishing once in a while. And, and uh, <laughs> so all the way on up through the darkness, we are traveling through Michigan. And it's Sunday, of course, Sunday morning, and it's beginning to break up. The little light is beginning to show, and we're rattling over the roads going on towards Michigan, which was uh, maybe a trip of 200 miles or so from where we were living at the time. Driving further and further past all these little farm towns, past big towns and through crossroad towns and past gas stations and past other Graham Pages all heading that direction, past uh, uh, Buicks and Essexes, past uh, uh, Oldsmobiles and past Chryslers and all heading. And there were signs that way, you know, big signs. Uh, and as we got closer, the old man was getting into a frenzy of excitement. We were getting closer and closer because the signs got bigger. The signs, there were big, you know, big arrows pointing that way, 17 miles to the big, fuzz, big festival, the big celebration. Well, the name of this celebration, which was held in Holland, Michigan, I will give you a brass figgie if any of you have ever heard of that fantastic celebration that is held every year in Holland, Michigan. No, it is a genuine American folk celebration. And it is famous throughout America, especially in the heartland of America, just like celebrations that are celebrated in little fishing towns in, in Spoleto, Italy, you know, and Abergamorau and all these various places. I guess the average hip American in the eastern seaboard region knows more about European celebrations, celebrations and festivals that are being held in Vladivostok 
than he does in celebrations that are being held in Holland, Michigan, you know, American types. Well, it is now about 7.30 in the morning, and, you know, you've been riding hour after hour, and we're in the back seat, and my kid brother is down on the floor whimpering, and, uh, yeah, so he's down on the floor, then he'd lay down on the floor and holler, and I'd stand on the seat and look out. We are finally getting, by the way, the one great thing my old man had in the back of his car, how many of you, I, I will award you a brass figlegi with bronze oak leaf palm if you can tell me the name of the gas company that provided a, a metal insignia, a little metal badge to put on, the, on, on your license plate, on your car. It was a metal badge. And practically every gun, whether he used that gas or not, didn't make any difference. He carried that badge on the back of his car. What was that gas? Very famous. And the, the, the insignia is still around. Oh, it's a very famous one. They, 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 in those days, I don't know what it is. What kind of nuttiness was it that in those days guys took great pleasure in putting advertising things on their car, things advertising stuff that they never had anything to do with? There was a whole, uh, for years, I remember as a little kid, riding around in cars, and there would be cars around us and in front of us. They all had a little gold thing on the back window, like decal, little gold letters that said, Waltham Watches. Now, why was that? Those guys didn't all work in Waltham watch factories out in Oshkosh. I know that. And Hammond and the other. But they had Waltham watch on the back. Uh, what was the name of the gas company? Which one was it? And what was the insignia? If you think you know your trivia. And we had another thing that my father put on the back window of his car that celebrated a soft drink. And it was a lady's leg. A lady's leg with, with a, just, you know, just a shoe, that's all. And she had silk stockings or something. But it was a lady's leg, a very garish lady's leg. It looked like a pop art lady's leg, you know, something like uh, something that uh, Lichtenstein or somebody would do. And it was on the back window of the car. So I, one of the great formative things of my early career was looking out through the back window past that lady's leg and over that sign. No, it was, yeah, all right, there, they know that, that's right. That's the name of the festival. Absolute them all. Would you please bring me uh, bring me the thing up there? That's it. We will celebrate this festival from Hall of Michigan. Oh, man. Oh, yes. The dawn was breaking. We finally arrived in the town of Hall of Michigan, nestling like a tiny jewel in the great bosom of the state, the sovereign state of Michigan. And we stood on the main street, and nothing happened. <laughs> as far as you could see up and down the street you saw stores all locked up it was Sunday morning once in a while a drunk would go reading into a side street and disappear occasionally a Model A would <laughs> and he would go past and disappear in a cloud of dust in the general direction of Clear Lake which was over the next hill where the guys went to fish for bluegills and crappies and then finally after waiting on the store front there on Main Street the crowd slowly begin to gather. Now, it's about 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning. We are already halfway through our potato salad and our hot dogs. It is now quarter to 12, and way off in the distance, the first band could be heard. The festival was underway in Holland, Michigan. Well, the name of that festival was the Tulip Festival. Now, for those of you who don't know what happens in the Tulip Festival, uh, all the house frows of of this town uh, pad themselves. Now, how could you explain this to somebody from Nigeria, for example? They all pad themselves. They wear they wear big. Uh, they put pillows in the front and pillows in the back, and they all have Dutch costumes. Now, they're not from Dutch. They're not from Holland. None of these ladies. 
They're all wearing big fat costumes and they're carrying brooms. And they are sweeping the streets of Holland, Michigan. And behind them, all the members of the Rotary Club have dressed themselves in wooden shoes and they're blowing Dutch horns and they're carrying Dutch clay pipes. And they're throwing tulip leaves to the surroundings. And behind them, there are 1,722 guys who are drunk. All falling in and out of the tulip hedges and yelling and hollering and the whole scene goes on for hour after hour. They are celebrating tulips in Holland, Michigan. And the old man is in the middle of it. And I'm a kid trying to figure out why they're all dressed like Dutch people. I say, Dad, any old Dutch people? He says, shut up, watch him. Here comes another band. And the American Legion marches past. He says, wait, 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 hold it, quit it. And there goes the Rotary Club past with their tin hats, blowing their horns with their funny badges. Oh, here comes the moose. And the moose march past. And the elks march past. And the ladies' aid society marches past. And then the Eagles area, number 422, marches past. And they are celebrating an American festival. Who wants to make Bratwurst Day with me this year? Let's get up a fantastic crowd, 17 million people, and all of us descend on Sheboygan at once to celebrate one of the great American festivals. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.